Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor Podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. So, Father, thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for your people. I thank you for your anointing and your presence that's here. Lord, I just ask, God, that you would come, and just as when Jesus was beside the pool, that you would come and stir the waters today. God, that you would come and stir our hearts. And, Father, we just pray today, God, open hearts, open hearts, open hearts. God, that you would just absolutely cover this place with your grace. And, uh, Lord, that any, anything that would hinder us, God, from moving forward or hear, hinder us from hearing today's message, Lord, we just pray, God, that that stuff would be removed and our hearts would be open wide to hear and to receive from you. In fact, Father, we just believe that if we want to live the Emmanuel lifestyle that understands, God, that you're with us and, God, that you are for us and that you're in us, God, then, then we really need to give our cooperation in it and we need to be willing to grow. And so, Lord, we just say to you today that we are willing to grow. God, we are willing to go deeper in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Holy Spirit, do only what you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, for, for years, I... Um, Part of my role in the church was I mentored and I trained and I led college students that felt like they had a call into what we would call full-time or, or, or occupational ministry. Anytime when you're obviously training young people to preach, then there's opportunities to preach. So anytime that subject would come up about preaching, I would always encourage those students basically to do one thing, to find their burden and to preach it. And, you know, typically the conversation would go because they're nervous, they're scared. So I'd ask them, hey, man, what's your burden? What's really been weighing on your heart? What's the thing that's been burning in your spirit? And then I would encourage them to identify whatever that was and then basically draw from the well of revelation that God put inside of them. Now, I say that to you today to say this, that this morning I was deeply prepared to preach something else. And, uh, and I rolled up in the library the other day with my nice little cute little new headphones on, listened to worship music, and I pulled out a stack of books that I thought that were going to pertain to the subject I was going to preach this morning. But I felt like there was a few thoughts that had been rolling around in there for a few days. I said, okay, well, I'm just going to take a second and write those things down. You know, I don't know, about two hours later, I got finished writing, and, and I said, okay, there's no doubt I identified that's the burden for today. And so I'm going to follow my own advice. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to preach what's been weighing on my heart. And I'll just maybe say this, kind of help us out. I realize that anytime a pastor or a leader opens up their heart and uh, gets vulnerable and shares kind of what's working on the inside of them, there's a risk involved. Always. Part of the risk is this, is because it provides opportunities for people who sit in the seats to go, man, he's aiming that at me. And I'll just say this to you, and and this is where you're just going to have to trust me and maybe know me. You know, I I realize that, let me maybe say it this way. Over the last, I don't know, 20 years of preaching, I've never tried to use the platform or microphone to aim something at somebody else. I've always tried to guard my heart at that. But I also realize that when you walk with God and you know God and he tells you to preach things, that everything he tells you to preach is aimed at somebody. Because he's intentional, right? And, and so sometimes you know the address that that thing's going to. But I want you to know today that, listen, my, my heart and what I'm going to say today, I hope and I believe before God it's right. Okay? And so, l- listen, I just want to encourage you not to get hurt, not to get offended. And, and maybe this, because here's the risk. Because the risk is this, that, that people can twist what you say or they can misinterpret what you say. Or, or maybe, like I said, they can question your motive. But... I want to give you some words of wisdom, maybe in the words of Aaron Rodgers, if you're here and you like football, just relax, <laughs> all right? Just relax, and uh, like I said, just know, man, I, you know, I love y'all, and I love this church. I like that. I said y'all. That sounded good today. Um, so, man, some of you guys are already tightening up. This is great. Uh, so, listen, ex- extend some grace, and I think most of all, just open up your heart. If you don't open up your heart, God can't speak. Okay, God, God's always talking. A lot of times we close it off because he's not saying what we want to hear. And, uh, and we miss out on what God wants to do in our lives. Amen. All right, so I want to start off by saying this. And you're going to kind of identify where we're going pretty quick. But my job is not to convince anybody today. We're just going to, we're just going to walk through something of, that we want all to grab a hold of. I'll leave it at that. So listen, for, for most of my Christian life, I have spent... 
pretty much all of it, for the most of it, you know, in churches where the overwhelming majority of people were, were actually running in the same doctrinal direction. And what I mean by that is this, is that people gathered Sunday after Sunday, and they were not only in agreement with what we call the, the big or the, or the major things of theology, like, like simple that Jesus is the Son of God, the Trinity, that Christ is going to return, the death, burial, and the resurrection, that we, that we all agreed on that, but we also agreed on what we would call the minor or the gray areas. And uh, if you've ever had the opportunity to be a part of a church like that, then you know it creates a certain amount of energy. And not only does it create a certain amount of energy, but it also helps define the culture a whole lot easier. And it, and it also helps you operate in that culture in a, in a, in a whole lot easier way. Anybody with me? But, uh, you know, as most of you guys know, obviously three years ago, uh, God called us out of that church that we were in down in North Carolina. I served there for 14 years. My wife was there 12 years. And in that church, man, there was definitely a deep-rooted sense of this is our culture. Man, that thing was firmly in place. And, uh, and God said, you know what, I'm going to call you to Maine. And he called us here. And so for the past three years... You know, Sunday after Sunday, I've stood in this spot, and I've watched this room be filled with a variety of people that have a variety or a mixture of church backgrounds and church experiences. You know, some that come in here, man, they walk through the door completely unchurched. Some of them come in here, they might as well have been born in the pew, right? And then other people that have come in, they radically got saved somewhere along the line as an adult. And then there's those that come in the door that got hurt by legalism and religion. There's a lot of people in this category, in this region. And, and they ran from the church as far as they could. And somewhere along the line, God started tugging on their heart. So when they come back, they come back, though, with, with, with apprehension. And they come back with a lot of safeguards in place. And so, you know, some people that come through the door here, they're just starting their journey. Others are really mature in the faith. But I think most of us in this room would, would admit that, man, we're somewhere along there in the middle. And we're just kind of coming along. Can I get a witness? So, but obviously in that mixture, and this is where things get interesting, is, is we have people that come here that have a, a Catholic background. We have people that come here that have a Pentecostal or charismatic roots. We have people that come here that mainly come from a more of a Calvinistic viewpoint. And we even have those that are in the room, not a lot, but we have some that, that spent many years really uh, heavily involved in what we would call other religions. And so, you know, obviously they got saved and they're here now. But I think when you put all of us together in this room, what you end up with is a smorgasbord of beliefs. Yes? So, you know, the funny part is this, is obviously it's not in the main areas of theology. I think we all agree on that. But, but where, we, where we get the smorgasbord is really in the gray areas. And, and it's in this, that's those, in those gray areas, that's where we defer, that's where we contradict. You know, our, our beliefs kind of contradict one another. And it's mainly this, you know, we contradict on what we think God is like, what he does and what he doesn't do, and how he moves and how he doesn't move and so on, right? It, you know, it's kind of like this. Maybe say it this way. Since we've been here, people, when they say, I mean, what, what's, uh, what's the church like? What's the anchor church like? You know, right or wrong, my typical first response, first thing comes out of my mouth is this, is, man, we're a melting pot. It's so true. We are an absolute melting pot. The only, the only way I can compare it is maybe this, is obviously I lived in a military town for 14 years down there at Fort Bragg, and people were from everywhere. So there wasn't some sense of culture. It was just... This melt, it was a gumbo if you've ever lived in South Louisiana. It was just this beautiful mixture of people. And I think that's us. We're an absolute melting pot. Now, the cool part about being a melting pot is that provides us with opportunities to have some really fun conversations. Right? But it also presents some challenges, and occasionally it certainly brings some tension. Like right now. I love it. Y'all are like, where? Oh my God, where is he going? Listen, as, as pastor of this church, my hope is that wherever you fall in that spectrum, that you would, that we would, because it's me too, that we would remain humble enough to admit that we don't know everything. That's hard for some of us in this room, that we do not know everything. But I want us to understand today that not, there's not a single person in this room that your doctrine or your belief system is flawless. Okay, and the reason is, is if it, if it wasn't without flaws, you would be God. Okay, but listen, we're, none of us are, if you didn't know, you're, you're not God. And so, so it's kind of my hope, so if I can kind of set a tempo for today, is that we are giving more than just lip service and saying that we want to grow in our spiritual walk with God. 
right? It's so easy to say that, but sometimes we think we're so right, it doesn't leave a whole lot of room for God to move. Yeah? So listen, if I could kind of maybe add a simple thought here, I, I want to say this, that true spiritual growth cannot happen to the fullest if we only gather or only open up our hearts with those who think and believe exactly like we do. But that's human tendency. <laughs> yes, human tendency is to get in clicks with people who agree with you because we don't like conflict. Yes? So, but here's the main point that I kind of want to uh, kind of give you today is that, once again, wherever we find ourselves on that spectrum, there's one major theme that throughout the ages that still resides in the heart of God, and it's this. It's unity. Great place to say amen. So listen, in spite of our story, look, if you're sitting here today, I want to tell you two things real quick. Number one is this, is if, if you're sitting here today, man, you are not here by accident. Please resolve that in your heart. Please resolve that. L- listen, you don't come here week after week after week because, because uh, you know, God's trying to tell you something and you keep showing up at the wrong place. Okay, listen, <laughs> you didn't get lost, hopefully. The city's not that big, all right? So... So the sense of this, that, that, man, for just sell in your heart and have peace of that, man, God brought me here, right? That's, that's huge. Listen, I've had to do that. Okay, everything I'm saying today, I'm, I'm, uh, listen, I'm saying from experience, every single thing. So I've had to do that, okay? If, if you think that, my God, this is a big change for me, it has been a big change for me. <laughs> okay, I have died a thousand deaths in the last three years, but they've been good deaths. See, in fact, let me say this. There's this prophetic word that I keep getting from people that keeps saying this, that God's really just beginning with us. And the interesting part is this, is, man, we've had some really powerful stuff happen in the kingdom in years past. Really powerful stuff. And, and so the funny part is, is I have to have enough wisdom and enough maturity about me that realize that God's bringing me through this, this season, right? And making me really uncomfortable with a lot of things because he needs me to change so we can do whatever he was saying. Right? So listen, nobody grows by being comfortable. Amen? Second thing we need to understand this, that not only has God brought us here, and we need to get that in our head and our hearts, but also this, is that God is calling every one of us to live in unity and walk in unity with the people that are around us. And not just the four people that we're comfortable with. So listen, as I, as I sat in the library the other day, you know, just kind of pouring out my heart, all those thoughts on paper, there were a few verses that immediately came to my mind. I'm going to read them to you today, and then I'm going to give you a few points and... Um, and we're going to maybe put some stuff in practice. So the first one was this. It's when King David wrote this in Psalms 133. This is the Passion Translation. It's kind of a newer translation, but I like how it says it. It says, how truly wonderful and delightful to see who? Brothers and sisters living together in sweet unity. And it goes on to say that where there's unity, there's anointing and there's blessings. And you also read that, man, that basically that's where the life of God flows in unity. The second verse that kind of came to my mind was when Jesus prayed for his disciples. And I got to understand this is known as the priestly prayer. Jesus is about to ascend to heaven. And this is what he prayed for his disciples. It's talking about basically the, the 12 that were there. Obviously, we know that Judas fell off the wagon. But, but anyway, it says this in verse 11. It says, now I am departing from the world. He's, he's praying. He says, and they are staying in this world. He says, but I am coming to you. And he says, Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. Boy, that's a great thing to, to circle as we are. <laughs> and then he prayed this for us. He said in verse 20, he said, And I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. That's, turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. It says in verse 21, he says, I pray for them to all be joined, for, for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I. Father, uh, are joined together as one. I can't speak, I think. All right, anyways, so I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. Verse 22 says, For the very glory you have given to me, I have given to them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. Understand why God gives us his glory is to bring unity. 
Are you hearing that? Not for us to just simply enjoy it and with our four friends that agree like us, but he gives us his glory to help bring us together. We'll talk about that more in a second. But I want you to kind of grab a hold of a simple thought here. Do you realize that Jesus is calling us and giving us the opportunity to walk in the same kind of unity that the Trinity walks in? You know, listen, in heaven, Jesus and the Father are not arguing. They're not fighting. Right? The Holy Spirit isn't griping because he has some lesser role. Right? There's perfect unity. Yes? And then lastly, I want to read this verse to you. In fact, let me, let me maybe say this because this is important. Notice that Jesus is praying that. Have you ever thought about the fact that we have an opportunity to answer one of Jesus' prayers? We always get so caught up in him answering ours. What if we answered his? Yeah? And then it says this in Ephesians, last one, Ephesians 4. It says, now these are the gifts, this is Paul talking, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. It says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Notice verse 13, this will continue. What? What he just said. Will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Pretty good verses, huh? Listen, as I, as I thought about those, the prevailing thought that was just ringing in my heart the other day was simply this, is that God was not writing only to the people who attended the first Baptist church in the middle of nowhere. I'm making sense. He, he wasn't sitting there saying this is only for those who go to St. Peter's Catholic Church. He wasn't saying that this is the only people, only for those that are congregationalists, or for you guys, some of you guys might understand this, those who are church of God, bless God, you got to be in that Pentecostal world to understand that one. But, but it wasn't just for the Methodists, and it wasn't for us four and no more non-denominational church. Right? In other words, it wasn't only for, for us and our four friends that believe exactly like I do. Am I making sense, you guys? Who was he talking to? Man, he was talking to the church. To be better yet, in Matthew 16, he was talking to his church. Yes? So once again, if you just put this in the memory bank, God's expectation is for all, all of us that believe in Jesus, right? To do what? To walk in unity. So the main question I want to ask this morning is this, because we got we to bring it from global to, to local here for a second. For us that, you know, that go to this church and realize, man, this is a melting pot, how in the world are we supposed to walk in unity? How are we supposed to live in unity? You know, I'm, I'm saying this because this is how some of us think. But, you know, will unity come in this body by us arguing with one another? No. And I'm saying that because of this. There's been times where I have literally said to somebody, I've made a statement that contradicts something that they believe, and they automatically fire off like they're a freaking cannon, some power statement to shut me down. And you know what I say? They're not teachable, and I just move on. They're not even open, right? Y'all never had those people talk to you? Listen, will unity come by bullying people into believing what we believe? No, listen, the Holy Spirit is the one that convinces, not us, right? He's got to do it. We can't do it. So listen, does unity come by sticking our head in the sand and refusing to talk about our different views? No, can I be honest with you? When you stick your head in the doggone sand and try to act like the pink elephant's not in the room, you are just as guilty as the person who wants to argue and fight with everybody. Listen, is it, is it when we come and, and man, this is, this is some of us, turn to your neighbor and say, he's not talking about you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, he might be talking about you. <laughs> but listen, does unity come by digging our heels in and refusing to change because we think this, bless God, I've studied and I know I'm right. Listen, um, you can have 32 Bible degrees and still not know God. Okay? Now, listen, there's, if last time I checked, there were some uneducated fishermen that changed the world. And those, and those super educated Pharisees didn't have a clue who he was and when he walked right by him. Okay, so, so put your degrees on the shelf. Amen. I got one too. Let's put it on the shelf. Let me be honest. One was given to me. I didn't even earn the doggone thing. They wanted me to teach in the Bible schools, so I, they gave me a degree. So anyway, that's what happened to me. So anyways, I earned it. School of the Spirit. There we go. Life. There's, but there's other people that say this. They say, bless God, you know what? I know I've heard from God. And because I heard from God, I know I'm right. That's wrong. Yes? 
And, and then there's people that come in here and they sit week after week. And you know what you do? Man, you're kicking and freaking screaming the entire time. And nobody knows it because you got your pretty little religious mask on. But on the inside, man, you're hating it. But God keeps telling me to come here. <laughs> the quicker you get in agreement with him, the more at peace you'll be. Yeah? Wasn't planning on saying that that way. But let me say this. I, the reason I can say that stuff passionately is because I've done most of it. Right? And I'm going to tell you from experience that none of it works. None of it. The truth is, is none of those attitudes produce unity or spiritual growth in our lives. So if I can maybe give you a little side note, and this is my opinion here. It's not my opinion. It's truth. But it's this, that I think a question that we need to honestly answer inside of all, all of us need to answer this question. Really, do I really want to grow closer to Jesus? It's that simple. Is there any other point here than to know him? <laughs> right? Do I really, really, really want to get closer to Jesus? And if the answer is honestly yes, listen, you guys may think, well, that's trite. No, it's not. I've met too many people in church that feel like when they first met him, they, they wanted him. And they grew, and then they got comfortable and because they thought they knew something, and then they really didn't want to grow closer because they thought what they had enough, they were satisfied with it. And, you know, me personally, I, I have decided to live uh, a life where I am uh, satisfied with being unsatisfied because I know there's more. Amen? So it's kind of like this, though. If the answer is honestly yes, that you want to grow in Jesus, then you need to realize that, guess what? He's the one that's what we call immutable or unchanging, right? Not us. And so if we want to grow closer, then that means our thinking, our behavior, and our beliefs, God forbid, might have to change for that to happen. So I want us to think for a second. This is all of us, including me, okay? Where, where do we want to be five years from now? Where do we want to be 10 years from now in the kingdom? Where do we want to be 20 years from now? Who do we want to be? Right? And, and to understand that unless I'm willing to change, guess what? I will remain. Okay? Unless I am willing to change, I will be stuck. It's no different than if it's, uh, you, you know, if you want to get better at your job, if you want to get better in your marriage, what, whatever it is, change is, change is inevitable. Go look at your wedding picture. Changes are inevitable. <laughs> I look better today, praise God. At least that's what everybody keeps telling me. Anyway, so at least we're going the right direction. Can I tell you all something, help you all out? Listen, I told my wife one time, we were on this double date. It was amazing. We were on double date, eating at a little nice, swanky restaurant in, in Durham, North Carolina. And as we were sitting there with that other couple, I, I, I boasted in the fact that I still weigh the exact same as when I got married 15 years ago. Okay? You know what my wife told? Like, she, didn't even t- she just announced it to the restaurant. She said, yeah, but it doesn't look the same. Anyways... <laughs> Cut me deep. Cut me deep. <laughs> I might need some inner healing later. <laughs> but, but listen, I want to say one other thing from experience, and then we'll, then, we'll, then we'll start pushing here a little bit. I think so often, once again, this is me talking from experience, that, that even without us realizing, a lot of times we live out of fear and pride when it comes down to people, but also God. In other, in other words, fear and pride are our motivation in our interaction with people, and in our interaction with God. Maybe never you, but me, yes. But I simply want to encourage all of us today to not let fear and don't let pride keep us from going into the man or woman of God that he's called us to be. Amen? And also, I do want to say this, and this is the main reason I'm saying this, is because I don't want us to fall into the trap where we let fear and pride get us stuck in some spiritual rut. Right? If I'm looking, I'm going, man, I'm not growing, it's because fear of pride's got me stuck. It's not God's fault. Is that true? So, so also this is that we don't let fear and pride put God in a box. And the reason we put God in a box, gang, and we do it a lot of times not even knowing it, and once again, it's out of either fear or pride, and it could be either one or it could be both, is simply this. It's because we want to feel safe. And, and listen, we prayed this earlier, but I want you to know that, man, God's not safe. There's security in God. And is there safety in God's our refuge? All that? Yes. But if you want to move forward from him, he's not, God is not sitting there going, how can I make you feel safe as you grow? 
do you feel okay with this? He's not. He's not, right? All right, let's shift gears before I get myself in trouble. Here we go. So the other day, well, I get yourself in trouble, man. I feel sorry for your wife. I'm just kidding. Anyways, my wife just says, keep digging, keep digging. And yeah, that's what I do. Anyways, you going to shut up? Nope, I'm going to keep digging. Anyways, so I am playing. Whoever said that, I don't even know who said that. But anyway, so... Uh, so what's the key or the thing that unlocks unity for us? What's at least maybe this? This is what I wrote down the other day. The first few steps. And I, I'm not saying I understand all this, know all of it perfectly. But, but here's some things that are resonating in my heart. Number one is I think we got to start pursuing his presence. We got to start. Roy and I were talking about this the other day. But we got to pursue his presence. And, and once again, I'm not saying I understand all this. I'm going to give it to you in a real simple way. But I'll say this. Obviously, in pursuing his presence is pursuing him. Right? In other words, if I, if I pursue to have a relationship with Ben, uh, then guess what? I'm going to pursue him. And, I'm gonna, and by being with him, I'm going to receive his presence. Right? I'm going to be in his presence. Am I making sense? All right. So, listen. It's simply this. Once again, this may be really simple. But I just believe if we individually and collectively begin to pursue God, key part, with our whole hearts, he who is the very essence of truth will fill this place and fill our hearts. And guess what? He's, he, he's a big God, guys. He, he's, he, he can handle himself, right? I believe when he comes, he can work out all the details and work out all of our differences. I just believe that, right? And uh, obviously, our cooperation is needed there. But the reason I believe this so strongly is that we've got to pursue his presence is because unity is the very essence. It's the very atmosphere of heaven because the Trinity is in perfect unity. Yes? So once again, as we worship him, and that's really what I'm talking about, when we worship him with our whole hearts, his presence will fill this room, and his presence will fill our hearts. And what happens is, is when God comes, guess what? Because he's in unity, there becomes a transfer in our hearts of unity. Right? In other words, it it is, is impossible for me to hate someone that I worship with. It's impossible to fight with someone that I worship with. Are you guys hearing me? So kind of give you a thought here, just a challenge, really. This is a challenge. I want to challenge every one of you to give yourself permission, okay, to walk in this room without any walls, without any masks, without any safeguards, and just give Jesus your unhindered, uninhibited love and adoration. Just give him your best. Now, I do want to challenge you in this, okay? And some of you guys are not going to like that I say this, but it comes from a place of conviction while I'm saying it. I cannot find in the Bible, if you find it, please show me and I'll, and I'll stop saying this, but I cannot find in the Bible basically where God gives us permission to worship him how we want to worship him. Meaning that there's a way that God requires to be worshipped and we got to worship that way. You understand? In other words, when it goes back and I'm not, you know, this is not preference to me. It is what does God want? There's a clapping of hands. There's a lifting of hands. There's shouting our voices. There's singing out loud. There's falling on your faces. There is dancing. All, that's biblical. Yes? And so, once again, here's the simple challenge it is just give him your best. If nothing else, just sing, please. Yeah? Because how can the king of glory come in if you don't, if you don't draw near? Right? Am I making sense? So, so you know, if, if there was, if anybody said, man, I've said this plenty of times, but if there's anybody said, man, what would you like to see change? Man, it's that, that our church, man, we would just be worshipers. And, and listen, I'm not, and I'm not talking about half of us. I'm talking about all of us, right? That there would be this unified voice being lifted to heaven, and that's not about a man. That's about him. Because he deserves it, right? You, you know, for me personally, I love worship. And the reason I love worshiping is because I love being with him. Plain and simple, right? So, so, so I don't understand why anybody wouldn't want to be with him. I spent way too many years apart from him. <laughs> yeah? When you taste and know that he's good, give me some more of it, Jesus. Right? So, but here's what happens when we really begin to open up our heart and quit playing it safe is we'll actually begin to have the joy of experiencing him. And that's why, you know, man, it, so for me, okay, once again, this is more heart conversation day. If you, it's your first time here, this isn't a typical sermon. We're just talking here. But, but it's this. If you want to know what, what this guy, if he values if today was successful or not, however you want to word that, it, it, it's typically around this. Man, was God there? Did he come? Because, you know, I've told you guys before, I, I'm not a churchy type person. 
Okay, y'all may think I am. Maybe I am and I don't know it, but um, I, I don't really care for church. I just like Jesus. Right? And so, and so I didn't choose this. He chose me. And he said, do this. And I said, okay, scared to death. Right? But we do it. But then today, if, if, if all y'all hearing is me, we got a problem. Right? Jesus needs to come. But, but I understand once again, you know, all we have to do is, is visit some churches. And you can tell the ones that, man, Jesus isn't anywhere there. No, he's, he's, he's done more than knocked on the door. He's kicked the door. And they're not letting him in. Do you understand? Listen, we use that verse, Revelation 3.20. Here I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, I will come. And if you're good, King James, I'll sup with you. And uh, so, in other words, I'll have dinner with you, right? He was not writing that to an unbeliever. We try to use that when we witness to people. That was to the church. And how many times you know that, that man, I don't, let me say this. I don't want us to stand before God and know that God was knocking and wanted to come in. But because we refused to worship, he, didn't, he couldn't come in. Am I making sense? So let me maybe say this, because I think the word experience scares some people. And there's definitely, you know, in the years I grew up, I've, I've been a part of different denominations uh, on my journey with God. And, and some people are scared to death of that word experience. And they're scared of emotions. But the last time I checked, God's the one that gave us these emotions. Why wouldn't he work with them? Right? Why, couldn't we, why, is it, why is it okay for me to express emotions when the Patriots play, but I can't express emotions when it comes to worshiping Jesus? Something's off about that, says a really good Alabama fan. <laughs> right? Think about that for a second. You have emotions with your kids, don't you? Good ones and bad ones. Right? You have emotions with your spouse. You have emotions with your friends. Why not be emotional with God? Yeah, the problem is, is when our emotions overrun us and they're not spirit-led. That's the problem, okay? So, but in this sense, but, but let me say this. So, so I think sometimes we're afraid of an experience, but an experience is simply this. Like if, um, if Mel said, hey, that, that Kyle guy, he's like this. And I said, you know what, but my experience with Kyle has been completely different. Right? You know, you know Kyle's been kind to me. He's been a friend to me. You, you, you know, it's, uh, you know I, I've, I would never see Kyle that way because my experience has difference. The problem is, is too many people in the church are trying to say what God's like, but they've never had an experience with him. They've just read a book. Am I making sense? So, so it's like this. You know, I, I could look at Ben across the room and say, you know, he's, a, he's this and he's that. Right? But guess what? My experience is, is this man has loved my kids really, really well. And to me, that means more than anything. Right? So my experience with him is, man, he's a loving man. Am I making sense to you guys? So, so that's why for me, we can't be afraid of experience because it's kind of like this. When we get to experience God, we get to learn who he really is. Right? And, and here's what's so awesome is, in fact, I'll piggyback on this quote here. Go ahead and throw that quote. I love this quote by Leonard Ravenhill. This guy is a brilliant, uh, absolute scholar. But he said this. He said, a person with an experience, it's down at the bottom, a person with an experience is never at the mercy of someone with an argument. Listen, it, it, the best way I can say it is this. You know, you talk to a non-believer and they try to tell you what God's like. And I'm like... The only way I can liken it is this. It may be a silly analogy, but it's like this guy has never eaten an orange, and he's going to try to tell me what an orange tastes like. Sorry. I, you know, I've experienced too much with God for people to say God doesn't do that. Wrong. Right? Let me give you a verse here that I kind of want to, us to, to mark our lives, and I believe it's the outcome of experience. And it's in a little bit different translation here, but this is Acts 4.13. And i got to start moving says this, says, the council members were astonished, that's the religious folks, were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men. Anybody feel like you fall in that department? Because I do. I'm an ordinary fella. It says, who had never had religious training, says, then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them. Wow. It says, how? By simply by spending time with him. If you read a different translation, it typically says this, that they knew that they were untrained, but they realized that they had been with Jesus. Man, if, is there a greater compliment than that? Does someone look at you and go, man, we can tell they've been with Jesus. That's experience, yes? Next thing is, is I believe this. Number two, that when we begin to experience God's presence, it'll begin to unlock the next piece in unity. And it's simply this, genuine love and affection. 
This is huge. Don't miss this. I think sometimes we hear the word love. We were kind of talking about this in a small group the other night. You hear the word love, you kind of blow it off. Love, whatever. Don't miss this. Genuine love and affection. Because the truth is, is when his presence comes, so does his love. Right? I've told you guys a story, but I, re- I remember we were getting ready to do a youth camp. First night, we just traveled 12 hours and a few buses with about 160 kids. We get there, and we're getting ready to do our service, and we got this kid. I won't say their names because people listen to podcasts. I found that out. found out the hard way. The two kids, both of them, uh, dad left. Abandonment issues, and they're angry, really angry. So here we are about to have church, y'all. Church! <laughs> right? And, and these two kids about go to blows, and people have to separate them. Right? And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I'm going, I am 12 hours from where this mama, this boy's mama lives. And I'm like, all right, whatever. You get over there, you get over there. We start worshiping Jesus. <laughs> he comes. You know, what, you know what those two boys are doing at the end of the service? They're hugging and crying and repenting to one another, saying, I love you. Why? Because when he comes, because he is love, love comes. Love fills the house. And in fact, I'll say this. It's impossible to have unity without love being our motivation, right? Love being our motivation for our relationship. So it's been said this, and just check this off if this is you, all right? It's been said this, that Christianity has become more about what we believe and the doctrine we live by, not the love we walk in. That's an accurate statement. And, and we wonder why we have issues. Listen, I've also heard it said this, that Christians have become more, uh, more known for what they're against than what they're for. Right? That, that we hate those politicians. We hate da 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 da. Shut up. <laughs> right? Stop. Please. Please stop. Right? I'm not saying don't take a stand for truth. Take a stand for truth. But make sure it's motivated by love. Yeah. Amen? So let me give you, uh, let me just remind you of a verse that Jesus says. And I got I to gotta move. Jesus said this in John 13. I just want to remind you what he commanded. Somebody say command. He didn't suggest it. All right? So, he, so, it's, uh, so I give you a new, now a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. Holy smokes. Just as much as I have loved you, right? And we obviously know the rest by this. Uh, people know that you're following me. All right. So if I can, though, I want to take this a step further than just love. Everybody look here, please, because this is huge. I, I'm hoping that nobody misses this. There's a, this is really important. Did I say that? Um, <laughs> There's this great paradox in the kingdom of God, okay? And it's simply this. On one side, you have this thing called family, and then on the other side, you have this thing called army. Right? And there's people who do army really well, right? And then there's people who do family really well. But I want you to know, if you want to remain balanced, if you can imagine kind of a guy walking tightrope, then you need the tension between family and army to really remain in balance. Right? And so, but here's the problem, right? It is, is most people that are army, 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 most of them are trying to perform. Amen. Let me help you more. It's out of fear because they're trying to be accepted and loved. Not everybody, but some people, okay? And army's good. We need army, okay? But, but the problem that we're, that we're having here is the starting point that those who receive Jesus, they receive the right to become sons and daughters of God, John 1.12. Okay, And the problem is, is that wounded, unhealthy, hurt sons and daughters don't make a good army. Am I making sense? So to understand today, and we may talk about, we'll start talking about this probably next week. But, but it's this, is that the only way that we can really advance God's kingdom is when we become a true spiritual family that is built around a genuine bond or genuine love and affection. If we don't get that down, we'll never be able to do that well. In fact, I'll just say it this way. How well are we doing at Army? How well are we doing, if we're honest? We're shaking the world. No, we're not. No, we're not. And the reason we're not shaking the world is because we're scared to death of this. And I mean that because some of us room are scared to death of this. And because you're scared to death, it tells me this. If you're scared to death, do family. You're scared to death here, too. You're scared to open up. You're scared to be vulnerable. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Let me me tell you why I know that. I was in youth ministry way too long. And when a kid was defiant towards his parents, I could tell you that that kid, if he couldn't obey his mom and dad, he certainly didn't know how to obey God. 
uh, what we get to see in the natural with you is just a reflection of your interaction with God. That's all it is. Yeah? And that's me too, right? So let me give you a few things here, okay? Uh, are you guys okay? I will try my best to wrap this up. Here we go. So uh, let me give you some characteristics of a healthy family. Uh, and just, once again, I just want you to search your heart on this and go, is that me? Okay, is, is that me? And, and I'll say this real quick. What I loved about our small group the other night, we did, we did an exercise. And I love the fact that some of the people are willing to admit that they don't do this stuff well. Okay? So, you know what? I'm smart enough to know that if there's a handful of people that are in a small group that can say, man, I don't do that well, then there's probably more in the room. Okay? So, first thing, healthy families are this. They're close. They're close. I can say that because I belong to an unhealthy family. <laughs> okay? Healthy families are close, right? And what that means is this, is that they don't keep people at a distance. There's, there's a desire to love and to be loved. Yes? Now, now y'all look at me and smile. I know I'm irritating some of y'all. But, but listen, what I'm, not, I'm not talking about what you and your four friends do, and I'm not talking about what you do at home with your family. I'm talking about what happens when you walk through that door. That's what I'm talking about, okay? So put it in perspective here. First thing, families are close. What's the next thing there? Second thing, healthy families know they belong. Healthy family members know they belong. And what happens is, is when you know that you belong, guess what? It's easy to help other people feel like they belong as well. They want other people to feel like they belong, right? A healthy family has this, has a grace culture. This is huge. And, and this, is, this is definitely something that's got to shift in here, okay, for me. So this is a grace culture. What it means is that, is that they realize that no one is dispensable. Yeah? In other words, I've never at one time looked at my natural family, okay, back home in Bama, God's country, right? That, that I've never looked and said, man, we could really do without that nephew. <laughs> you know, he's just weird. Let's, 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 he's out family, right? I, I've never said that, but we do that all the time in the kingdom. Makes no sense. L- listen, that a grace culture, when they look at people across the room, they see people through the finished work of the cross. That is hard, my friend. To look at people and look past their mess and go, man, I see who they can be through Jesus. And I'm going to do what? I'm going to call that thing out, right? So listen, that, that is, it's, it's this sense that, that in a grace culture, you love people even when they're wrong. That's hard. Can I get an amen? That's hard. Listen, a grace culture is tender. It's patient. Uh, a healthy family does this. Healthy family honors one another. In other words, they see people by the spirit and not by the flesh. That's hard because it requires you to walk close to God, okay? The next thing is this, is that a healthy family listens and trusts one another. It also helps desire wholeness in people. Next thing is this, this is huge. Basically, a healthy family gives 100%, not just 50%. I'll smile at you. When we walk in this room, do we hold back who we really are? Listen, I think too often we aren't fully present with one another in this room. And, and maybe, maybe the, the key part here is this, is that, is that I think I skipped one, it's important, is, is are we really vulnerable with one another? See, that's the mark of a healthy family. That's the mark of a healthy marriage. Can I be vulnerable with my spouse? Right? And know that in my vulnerability, I can be loved. You know, you know one of the things, that, one of the questions we asked the other day in our small group was this, is that, I'm going to pick on you. Where's Tommy at? Where's Tommy? Tommy and Lindsay. Lindsay, what was the question? If you were willing to risk, give it to me. Help me out. What's a risk worth taking? Okay? My answer to that question was this. It's love. Because there's great reward when you, when you throw yourself out there and you're willing to love someone. But there's a risk involved because it also provides you the greatest opportunity to get hurt. Right? And I'm going to tell you, if we learn to do family well, you're going to get hurt. Go ahead and resolve that in your heart and go for it. Because rewards will outweigh that, hopefully, in Jesus' name. Right? The next thing is this, is, man, that it speaks and releases life. In other words, when's the last time you walked in the room and you said, man, how can I bless that person today? How can I call out what Jesus has put inside of them and call them up higher? So let me give balance here. I, I, think, I think it's, for, you know, for the most part, we're a friendly church. I think we do a good job with that, okay? And I think we love people well. But, but what I'm trying to say is I'm not so sure if we understand family. And now, part of that is this, and y'all love me, okay? Because this is not me trying to bring the South. This is me trying to bring kingdom, okay? 
is this, is that, man, the kingdom is family. The God always operates out of the pattern of family, father, son, right? Our father in heaven. It's all in there. You can't get away from it. So, so I, think, I think here we don't know how to do family well because we've been taught it's ingrained in us to keep people at a distance. So we need to ask Jesus to help us with that, right? To soften our hearts, to give us tender hearts, just to love folks, man. And just, just to be real and to be genuine, right? Yes? Don't you know now? Don't you know? Number three. Here we go. Oh, let me give you a challenge here uh, before we move on. I want to challenge you to quit, basically, and this is huge, to challenge you to quit seeing this place as a, as a place that you attend church and start seeing it as a place uh, of this, that, that this is a family that I belong in. That's huge, but you have to make that decision, okay? You can't wait for everybody to do that. you got to be the catalyst in that, okay? Let me just move on there. Number three is simply this. When we begin to actively pursue his presence, and we start walking in love and affection, we can have this. Number three, honest, hard conversations. Because that's where this thing leads. When we begin to seek his presence, unity comes. We begin to want to do family with one another. What happens is, guess what? There's going to be hard conversations, right? There's honest conversations that come. Because we understand this, that obviously when we talk about unity, it doesn't mean we agree and accept everything is truth. Right? So, but what happens is when there's genuine love and affection, it allows us to, to basically this, to have authentic conversations that are built on respect and love. And what happens is, is when there's honor and when there's love, that removes unhealthy tension from a conversation. Because here's why, and I, and I hope we understand this. We'll throw this up. Because when there's honor in the place, you value that relationship more than you value being right. Some of us in this room want to be right more than we want relationships. Right, But you have to ask yourself, do I want this person in my life five years from now? The answer should be yes, right? And if that's the case, then value the relationship more than being right. And I'm a guy that likes being right, okay? So I'm telling you, I like being right, but I have to learn to guess what? I got to love those people more than I want to be right. Because there's that part of me that's very black and white, that's very truth-oriented, that's knowledge-oriented, and I got to say, you know what? I got to value people more than I want to be right, Amen. So listen, when, when we devalue people, this allows us to have safe and honest conversations. Yes, but it also allows this. It allows the Holy Spirit to come and do what the Holy Spirit does best, and th- that is to guide us in all truth. Right? All right, challenge and we'll be done. Here we go. Ready? Is I, I want to challenge all of us in this room. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. Yes. Trying to gauge our... our uh, Awareness and and if we're awake in the room or not. Um, What time are the Pats playing today, by the way? One. One. We'll be done by then. (laughs) I have a birthday party at two. We got to get ready. All right. So anyways, I want to challenge all of us not to be afraid of tension. Yeah? And and I say that because some some of us were raised where, man, we grew up in hell. And everybody was fighting. And now we're scared to death. We, we don't know how to have a healthy conversation has got tension. And then there's other people that, that basically you're just, uh, man, you're just, you, you lived in a home where nobody fought. That wasn't the home I grew up in. But, but everybody just hid and kept it safe and not like it wasn't there. Those don't work in the kingdom, guys. Those don't work in family, right? So, so I want to say this. Every family has tension from time to time. It's uncomfortable, but tension is needed if we're going to grow and we're going to be transformed, Right? So, so don't be scared of it, okay? Don't be scared to have honest, hard, open-minded conversations. Yeah? All right. So let's say this real quick. Part of why we need to be willing to have hard conversations is because you know what happens in hard conversations? Is people reveal who they really are. And, and it's kind of like this. I, I was talking to a guy the other day. I said this. I said, man, how, how can you have a culture of grace? Because anytime you disciple people, you're going to deal with their mess. You got to. You got to confront people's junk if you want to see them grow, right? So how do you do that in a culture of grace? He says, simple as this. He goes, let's say someone got super angry and mad and blew up, and, and I'll just approach them and say this. Uh, you know, when, when you acted like that, man, you know, it, it really hurts some people. And, and when, you, when you got angry and you got mad at everybody, you know, I didn't really like that at all. And, um, you know, I'm just kind of curious, man. What, why, why did you get angry? And he just, well, they just made me angry. They do, 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 do. okay, but, but, but why did you get angry? 
And you know what came out? The guy said, well, I, I was afraid. Well, why were you afraid? Because of boom, 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 boom. So now what does it do? The, the culture of grace provides an opportunity, not for an argument, not for an orphan spirit and an orphan spirit to collide with one another and explode. What, what happens is, is it provides a moment to go, man, that dude, that gal needs healing right there. But unless we're willing to walk through those tough conversations, we'll never get to the real vulnerable piece where people are at. And I know that's uncomfortable, but, but how would you be healed otherwise? Once again, in family, we desire wholeness. Right? Right? I mean, do you, listen, as parents, do you like your kids to be broken? No. Okay, so here's God, right? He wants to see his children whole. But guess what? We're so scared to get vulnerable that we never have opportunities to be healed. And when vulnerability is like going to the Holy Ghost doctor's office. If you're with someone that loves you enough to say, you know what, I'm going um, to help you here. We're going to pray about that. Right? We'll talk about that later. But here's the, here's the bottom line here, okay? Is today really what we're talking about is our core values as a church. Okay, and, and that's why we called it values. But, but what I'm trying to tell you around here is, is, you know, what's the core value? It's what we value above all else, and, and it's simply this, that we value unity. That's got to be here, right? It's got to be here. We'll let God work out all the details. But we've got to value his presence. In other words, we're going to be worshipers. We're going to be worshipers. Amen? And, uh, and then we value family. We value a culture of family. Once again, that's full of love, full of people belonging, honor, grace, and open and honest conversations. And, and I know this. There's nothing uh, flashy about that. There's no doubt it's the, it's the uh, slow route. It's the hard route. But at this moment, guys, this is the only route I see. That this is the way, man, to us becoming family, right? And, and I realize that it might be a sign and a wonder to the region. It's going to cause us to be way different than everybody else. And I'm happy to do so because it's kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. So here's what I want to do. You stand to your feet. Thanks for being patient with me today. Here's what I want to do in practice, okay? I'm going to pray a simple, quick prayer. And what I want you to do before you leave today, I said we're going to put it in practice. Just grab a few people around you, maybe somebody you don't know, and just say this. Man, here's what stuck out to me today. Once again, you don't have to do this. If you need to leave, by all means, go. But if you can, if you have time, grab a hold of a few people around you and say, man, this is what spoke to me today. This is what challenged me today. And just take a second and just pray for each other in that. Plain and simple. Say, here's why it meant something to me. Once again, this is the part of becoming family and, and part of communicating and letting people in and not just staring at the back of each other's heads all day. Amen? Yeah, that's fantastic. If, you, if Jen said, basically, there's something there you said that you need a victory in this morning, you need a prayer, maybe that's a good time to say, to say that and, and you know, get them to pray for you in that too. So, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity just to share with your people. God, I thank you that you love us. And, uh, Lord, that you desire unity to be in our hearts. And, uh, Lord, you desire us to live and walk in unity. And so, Lord, today uh, we, we just bless each other to walk in that unity. God, we thank you today, God, for just your heart coming and teaching us how to be family, just how the kingdom of heaven operates in family. And so, Lord, whatever thing that keeps us from doing that, Lord, do you snatch it out of us. And, God, just give us the grace to figure this thing out together and to walk it out together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.